We're in conversation with the MEC of Health in Gauteng, Dr. Bandile Masugu. We engage MEC on a number of issues pertaining to health issues here in the Gauteng province. Any questions and comments you might want to have, 0891-104-207. He is in studio for the balance of the time until 2145, so we've got the best part of... 30 to 35 minutes with the MEC. So this is as good an opportunity to really engage his thoughts, to get his vision, to get a better understanding of your rights as a healthcare consumer here in this part of the world. And more importantly, let's look towards the healthcare sector's reform. Of course, I have my guest, or rather not my guest, my co-partner this evening, <laughs> Violeto Dubese, who's going to have this conversation with me together with the MEC. MEC, good evening. Good evening, and thanks for having us. Dr. Bandile Masugu, you've taken over now the Sixth Administration MEC for Health here in Gauteng. Give us a diagnostic report of the state of healthcare mm. in public healthcare specifically here in Gauteng. I should say that um, it's not a diagnostic um, report that comes only when I started uh, being in the MEC, but it's based on my own experience as a healthcare professional in the public sector, uh, having spent uh, almost uh, 15 years of my life in the public sector so I come in with that experience you know to say that um, we are having a, a public sector that has been seriously underfunded mm. and there's been a progressive disinvestment that was happening in health and um, so basically when I was sworn in the Mamilodi Saga actually summarized the whole problems and um I then we then decided that we are going to have only two priorities. Some of these priorities, people think that they are just too soft because they don't speak to the core issues that people talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the two priorities is on patient experience, critical uh, when they enter our facilities Absolutely. and when they interact with our services, and the second one is about staff morale. You know, because you can't face a battle uh, with the, base, the burden of diseases that we have and you don't have a motivated staff. So when you look at these two priorities, they actually cut across, they're interrelated. Because when you, let's take for an example, patient experience, a lot of complaints that come is about uh, waiting time. And waiting time is about waiting time to be seen by a professional or a nurse or a doctor waiting time to get medicine, waiting time to open a file, waiting time to get operated. You know, you know I've got a, a serious uh, issue of backlog in surgery. So if you look at it, what does make, what, what, what will contribute to the longest uh, waiting time? Then you can talk about staff shortage, you know, um, shortage of theater time, shortage of equipment, uh, and which all these factors, when you look at them, they affect staff attitude and staff morale. That's why I'm saying they're interrelated. Absolutely. So the priority for me is that if we are able to deal with these two, um, we'll be able to change the perception and we'll be able to change the perception, the subjective perception of the service. Notwithstanding that, uh, the, you know, what I've said is that there's underfunding and disinvestment that has happened. I think following the economic uh, slowdown that happened earlier on around 2009 or so, you would see that most of the people or services that were got affected from that were, you know, the health services. 
and it's something that we need to talk about. So for me, if we can able to change the look and feel of our hospitals and the facilities, the cleanliness, just the upkeeping of our our hospitals, and then also deal actively with how we're going to improve and motivate our staff. So employing more staff and nurses, employing more doctors and physios and all that, it will also help to make sure that no health professional work over hours, you know, over gets overworked. So those are things for me that when you summarize the health system, for me, they, you know, they talk to those. Before we probe exactly what it was that we were just submitting to us, especially the key priority areas and the systemic part of it and the non-systemic part of it, let's just, for a point of clarity, can you just delineate further what you meant by progressive disinvestment in the public health care system? Because I think that was a critical point, which I don't quite understand and need to for me to engage fully in this. See, there are different ways to understand it, <laughs> you know, because um, the population of Gauteng in 2006 mm. was around uh, six or so, uh, 8, 000, 8 million people, mm. Mm. and now we're looking at 15.5. More than double. And the physically, in terms of money and the budget that is spent on the health system, it has not uh, changed. <coughs> You know, that's why I'm talking about the disinvestment that has happened in the whole space. So the disinvestment is not per se government giving or offering less resources, but rather the growth of demand is far faster than the supply. And this ties into what Hemen Mashaba has been saying for quite some time. And however it has been framed, there is not something that that is not something to be dismissed. That the Gauteng Health Department is not servicing just South Africans. It's servicing persons who are attracted to Johannesburg, economically even. Mm -hmm. Zimbabwe, to an extent, Botswana, Lesotho, Swaziland, Mozambique. That's the reality that you face. And a lot of the time, as he has been saying, you are planning, or rather you are providing services for people who are not planned for or are not catered for in the budget. How much of an issue is that in this progressive disinvestment part that you are talking about? It's, it's, it's not only foreign uh, nationals people from the Eastern Cape to Gauteng. So we talk about immigration, the patterns of immigration that happens in Gauteng. It's a moving target for both the health and education. And when I say disinvestment is that there's no resource. The resources that we put in are not enough, you know, and also the the system itself, the fiscal itself doesn't cater for the growth. And we were forced in a number of areas to even actually cut down the budget, you know, to not employ staff, you know, like what we we talk about uh, post being frozen uh, only because we don't have enough money, you know, and the disinvestment is all about. So the, the what the argument of the executive mayor might be a bit flippant sometimes. Mm. And it doesn't really speak to the issues that we face as a as a as a province, because in immigration is a big problem. Mm. You know, um, half of Limpopo is here, for example. You know, I think the mm. states that we, the states as a, a census meet report really re, re, actually revealed that. You know, and it's not only Limpopo; it's Eastern Cape, it's KZN, and so on and so on. So. We have not had physically money that comes into the system to say, let's cater for all these people. Mm. And that's something that we need to look at. 
Right. And, and I think, you know, having gone through uh, just uh, just a bit of research in terms of also the people who are benefiting from the healthcare system, it's largely people in the quantile one to three. Right. And I think looking at uh, a, a, a place like Johannesburg, where you'll constantly have people moving into the space and you mentioning, you know, the the, the limitations that uh, this disinvestment of this demand that's constantly pouring into the system. What measures are being taken to be able to to meet that um, that backlog as you're speaking is there because I, I feel people are not going to move out of Johannesburg you know it's a very um, it's a very attractive city you know to find it's the city of gold um, you know where people are able to to find these opportunities that they're looking for but when you mm. do have about 80 percent um, of people who are in these particular quantiles um, dependent on uh, the healthcare sector um, free or you know obviously at a discounted rate what what measures are being taken um, by government to be able to say I've got you and uh, we'll try our best to be able to meet what this demand is lacking in I think the, the other problem is to talk about other health systems in other provinces mm-hmm. I think we are running at biggest in the southern hemisphere I think we are almost equal with Rwanda in terms of population and most of the other countries, Botswana is actually a size of Soweto in terms of numbers. Mm. And um, so... That's a the, staggering the issue, amount of people. Mm. The issue is that we have to be able to also improve because the special planning that has happened is that w- the periphery doesn't get enough improvement. So mm. if you don't improve the health systems or the economy of other mm. provinces they will come here. Right. So I think the longer term of everything is ju- just to make sure that we improve the health system mm-hmm. in the whole country. I think it's a discussion that maybe we will have when we talk about the, the national health insurance because the funding model is the one that will also try and bring in more resources into the public sector. Look, I would love to engage the national health insurance, but I think out of deference we, we we shall leave that for the province of the minister. But you're saying we shall have discussions. Mm. Does that mean there are currently no discussions taking place between the nine provincial MECs as it pertains to healthcare in South Africa? We do. We do have a, a national health council, which composed of is chaired by the minister, and it's it's also geared towards also talking around the same priorities that we have. And I think the priorities that, uh, of course, other provinces might not have the pressures that we have because the numbers are not the same. Mm-hmm. But we mm. carry this, them almost the whole burden. So if we're able to change the face and the experience in Gauteng, definitely I think everybody in the country will be talking about a different sense about health. But the discussions are there, you know, and, and I think they're happening and I think we will uh, get there. It's 2129. Dr. Bandile Masugu, MEC for Gauteng Department of Health, is in studios taking your calls on 0891 We're in conversation for another 20 minutes or so. So if you have any contributions to make or questions that you want to put to him, please do so on the given number or just drop us a voice note on 0614104107. Vueleta Dubese is my co-presenter this evening, and she's also going to probe the minister on some of the questions that from a young millennial as she styles herself has in relation to this very critical matter that is public health care in the Gauteng province. Mm, mm. No, I think also, you know, 
being, you know, I, I think I would speak from a point of privilege as well, having had the access to private health care, and that is my preferred one. Um, but I think as we were discussing with our, our guests previously, you know, the most vulnerable person in South Africa is a young black woman um, who is also fitting in those quantiles one to three um, and what programs or perhaps what um, Measures, because we we already were unpacking that in terms of financial restraints. This is what um, the province is dealing with. But what other uh, metrics or what opportunities um, are there for a uh, a young millennial like myself, or a young South African who doesn't have the means or access to quality? Um, or the type of quality healthcare that they would like to get access to. Excellent. That's the first question, MEC. We're also going to take a call from Paul and Ekuruleni and Musa from Ranfontaine is going to follow up. And then with this question that has just been asked and the two that are coming through, and then as well, third caller, Lerato in Johannesburg, the MEC will respond. So the MEC has got a pen, he's got his book out and he's taking <laughs> calls. Paul Ekuruleni, please make it short and snappy. Hello, gentlemen and lady. Indeed. Thank you. <laughs> yes, the, minister, the MEC is talking about the uh, progressive disinvestment and, and underfunding. But now the key problem in Gauteng is that there's a lot of corruption that is happening in the health system specifically. You're getting that when you go to the hospitals, people who are supposed to take care of the staff, because he talks about staff morale and stuff, but when you go to HR, you find that people in HR are not even qualified. You talk about doctors who are bogus doctors in the health system that are not being addressed. But now you're talking about underfunding and progressive. How are we tackling those issues to say we have a serious problem of corruption in the health system, specifically in housing? Excellent. Short and sweet. Thank you so much, and Paul. We appreciate that call. Musa from Ranfontein, follow the queue, please. Short and sweet. Yes, hi, uh, Songezo, and uh, good evening to uh, MEC. Please, uh, and forgive Vuyolwe, too. My, yeah, please forgive my question <laughs> because my question is somehow is self uh, serving, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, I have some expertise in healthcare ethics, and I've worked in the NHS in the UK. I have a doctorate in that in healthcare ethics and having been in South Africa, no job, nothing. Now, I'm asking the, mini, the MEC, could the MEC allow me to visit him and actually show him what I think I can contribute uh, in the uh, health uh, department in the province? I think that's, that's an easy one. Question. Excellent. Thank you so much, Musa. Lerato in Johannesburg, please. Avuyo, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay, excellent stuff. Um, it's actually President of Young Nurses in Daba Trade Union speaking. Um, I'm just worried about, you know, the, the synopsis that the MEC is painting for us. Mm. The MEC is definitely tackling the soft issues and not the hardcore issues. I mean, um, the issue of underfunding is quite questionable. For, for many, many years, we've seen the healthcare system having no system, having no processes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know this is literally a breeding ground for corruption. One of the callers said that. We are not fixing that first. We know, I mean, you could go to three different clinics and get medication as a patient, let alone the fund itself, the healthcare fund being literally controlled centrally, and we know where the problems are. Issues of tendering in the office, the same people that the MEC is harboring in that particular office are really corrupt. 
and there's nothing that's been done. I mean, there's no power, none whatsoever, to the people that are heading these institutions. I'm just worried that we are tackling um, staff morale. Staff morale emanates from the, 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 the head being able to take care of its employees, sure, and the department is not able to do that. Thank you so much, Lerato. Thoroughly appreciate your comments. Hello. Andile from Tswane. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, leadership. Your question or comment, please, for the MEC, Dr. Bandile Masugo. His comment, per se. A snappy one, please. It seems like Andile is not ready to make a contribution to this conversation. The time is 21.34. We've got the MEC, Dr. Bandile Masugo of the Gauteng Department of Health. Four questions for you, MEC, from Vuyoloetu, from Musa, from Po, from Lerato. Yeah, these are difficult questions, but I think the issue of corruption is a is a pervasive societal matter. It's not only in health, and it's something that we I agree with the president of the union, Lerato, that uh, we need to put systems. And I think uh, the start that uh, has happened is an open tender system that um, uh, the province has actually introduced now to try and uh, put out there the issue of transparency and accountability. And I think I agree with her that we need to digitalize. We need to digitalize uh, these processes and the yeah, systems digitalize the as systems well. and, and everything so that we are able to save time. And um, I think one thing that I've learned now is that uh, issues of health, we cannot handle them being alarmist, you know, and generalizing, you know. People make comments that they are bogus doctors. You know, um, so it meaning that there are a lot of doctors who are bogus in the system, and which is not true. You know, yes, there are quite a few, uh, two or three that have been found in the past three or four years that have been uh, uprooted. But we need to also, every time when we see a situation, not make it as if it's a generally pervasive problem that is happening in health. And I think it's also the matter that we see in the social media when one person experiences this and then it becomes a general problem, you know, and they don't talk about good outcomes. So I think that, uh, yes, corruption is something that we need to fight, and I think people must uh, report it uh, when they see it and when they notice it. HR is a big Achilles tendon for us, you know, Achilles heels. Because um, if we don't sort out HR, we won't be able to deal with these matters. There are a number of systemic problems in our uh, human resource department, which we are dealing with already, you know, in the, in the last uh, month or so. And we are putting systems where we are going to change around the HR system to be able to deal with all these uh, problems. Because I also experienced uh, the inefficiencies that are there, you know, in HR when I was mm. still an uh, intern or... MO or even a consultant. So those are issues that we, we need to work on, you know, and, you know, actually talk about. The young black woman is a, actually a passion of mine because you would know in my other job, I'm a gynae by profession. Mm. So my uh, bias would always be around women's health, right. you know, and women's health in this instance speaks to, you know, young women. Access to contraception is one key thing access to services that are very friendly to them it's you know it's another and we need to talk about that you know now um the issue of contraception that we use in the public sector we know that it's not it's a very old 
contraceptive pills that are very high dosage and hormones and so on and so on. And we need to change and make them more modern so that it improves compliance. So the issues that you raised, I'm very passionate about, and we need to make sure that the system itself is able to carry, you know, young women. You mm-hmm. know, the other issue that we've been confronted with is the access to termination mm-hmm. of pregnancy, mm-hmm. you know, and all the backstreet uh, advertisement. Right. But I don't want us to think about termination first before we talk about prevention. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's, a, it's my focus. You know, mm. And I think the whole department is just going to talk to it. With most, I think the my at, my contacts are there on social media. We can talk about uh, health ethics. I'm also uh, part of the people that understand ethics. You know, I I've 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 studied ethics, and I'm going to complete my masters also on on ethics. Many congratulations on that. So it's something that I'm interested in. So it will be nice to hear from him, but also with the experience he brings from the NHS. Let me throw down the talent because I think yeah. what Musa's point really is all about, and I think this is part of the problems in if if you like mm-hmm. in society's engagement with its representatives representatives in the public sphere. The lack of reception of ideas and enthusiasm and entry points that are on offer from people who are in the industry, who've got the kind of experience that, under normal circumstances, in a typical government that is optimally functional, would be received. He's, he's, he's got the qualifications. He's got international exposure and experience. And he finds himself, in the country of his birth, disillusioned with the skills mm-hmm. that he knows are needed and necessary to create some of the ease within the bottleneck systems that we experience on a day-to-day basis and he hasn't enjoyed the kind of reception he wants or certainly that has been committed to from here. Why at a systemic level do we have, I mean Musa is not the only one, there are many in his position. You know this because you've been there. Why would a healthcare system be so devoid, if you like, of that ethical content? No, I think the the whole important thing is that we need to get a lot of people involved. I think in the conversation that would 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 have is that we need more people to assist in changing the system around, you know. And I don't think there's only one person who will come with the wisdom, you know, the monopoly of wisdom to say this is how I want things to change. But a lot of people would come in and it's part of the consultation process that we have been engaged in. We spoke to a number of people stakeholders from different sectors, labor, private, even within the department itself, you know. And I've asked the question that I'm not going to draw in and go and employ a consultant company who will come and claim money Mm -hmm. when I know that I'm having experience in the department which can turn the situation around. Mm -hmm. So I've made a challenge to them, you know, that yes, you uh, you have stayed around the department for the past 15 years, and the department is said to be not performing well, and uh, we, we we can't get consultants to come and change this. They they've got a better experience within the department mm. because I've got a lot, I've got a lot of staff people who have been in the department for long, mm. you know, and we can't get anyone else from outside to come and change it. And yes. that's the attitude that I've I've we've we've you know we've taken that we're not going to employ anyone else come and tell us how we can change things around. Mm. Ourselves in the department, everybody must sit down and come up with something that will make the department change, including nurses, including doctors. And we need that, you know, and we we are open to any other suggestion that is going to be progressively making a change into the system, Mm. you know, so that we don't have one person who's called Bandile who can then... 
have this magic to turn around the space. I'm not, I think, capable to do that alone. You know, mm. I need a lot of assistance and assistance from Musa and other professionals out there, yes. including nurses, you know, should be able to do that. Right. Mm. Uh, I'm glad you, you, you really touched on, um, you know, measures or ways in which we can I guess venture into progressive ways um, that we're trying to communicate healthcare and healthcare access um, and also the impact that it has, especially bringing it back to one of your passions, which is young women. Um, and one of the, the, the things as well is with sanitary towels um, and the access to that because it does impact um, the young women and, you know, cutting days out of schools um, and not being able to access education um, or just have um, the opportunity that a young boy would have. Um, so what, 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 it, what avenues uh, is the government uh, taking um, to that in terms of education, in terms of access as well. Um, and, you know, you mentioned as well, just centering that around the leadership, around uh, the, the, the people that are stakeholders in the MEC's office. You know, it's some of the things that we write when we are young, they come back to haunt us when we are older. You know, because back in 2011, mm. Uh, we're part of the group that uh, led the campaign when we're in the youth league to for the provision of sanitary towels. And so you're the best to man to deliver on free that. provision, right? Yes, okay. free provision. <laughs> you know, and and we wrote a lot of uh, documents and we mm -hmm. campaigned around it. Mm -hmm. And I think now it has become a norm. And I think as much as uh, condoms are free. Mm -hmm. You know, I think sanitary towels should be free. Absolutely. You know, and Absolutely. I think it actually improves um, the hygiene. It also improves the productivity, mm. you know, of a young woman or young girl, you know, at school. Mm. So those are things that for me are non-negotiable. <coughs> you know, there are things that uh, should be done. And we we have, we have we, we, we are, we're working with other professionals okay. that have produced uh, their own uh, pets, uh, sanitary towels, and uh, in a cheaper way and more accessible way and we are supporting those uh, industries and making sure that we'll be able to do that and with the Department of Basic Education mm. we have the commitment with the MEC uh, Banyaza Lisufi that we are going to pro provide that in our schools Brilliant, because there's, there's definitely always been that argument of why you know condoms are free, even at some point flavoured condoms are free, but still being taxed on, uh, on, on, on sanitary towels, which is something that women do not choose to have um, as opposed to the other recreational activity. Mm, but the good thing now is that you know, it's vet free Right, you know, which is a, it's a start. Right, it's a, it's start. a start. Right. Good start. Right, but I think <coughs> with all the social conscious and social activists now, they've went into the space where they are, you know, producing and giving uh, sanitary towels to mm. women, you know, young women, mm. and it's something that as a department we'll will definitely focus on. Last question, because we really are running out of time. 21.44 for the viewers at home. Final remark coming from Dr. Bandile Masugu, MEC for Harding Health. You talked about social and other so public and other social partners. Just last week, you had an inaugural conversation with the Competition Commission focusing on matters to do with the health market inquiry, the advent of the national health insurance that's going to be promulgated nationwide. How important is it to engage other government spaces for the delivery of the most critical public function, healthcare? <laughs> it's, a, it's a question that cuts across. I think maybe next time we must have an hour. Excellent. Okay. So we <laughs> can con we, I can give you that hour next week. <laughs> we, we need to have Let an me hour. see, I can give you an hour next week. Uh, I think we are, we are, we are confirming. 
Excellent. Because the, the issues are so complex and they need time for people to understand. But I think, like the question you said, you know, we need roads, proper roads. We need proper sanitation for good health. We need uh, education. Uh, which is functional, which is going to give people a bit of literacy to understand what's going on in the health system. What I've discovered is that people don't even understand how this health system works, you know. Even the most uh, educated professors, Mm -hmm. they still think that your first point of call when you need health uh, attention, you have to go to a specialist. And it's something that is ridiculous yeah. and uh, you yeah. have to start somewhere and we need to say to people, you have to start at a basic level, which is a primary health care before you go up the system. And that's where we need. But I think we need a more uh, time. We need more time. <laughs> we will, you, you've got <laughs> more hour time. next week. <laughs> and I'm committed because I want us to have a conversation that mm. is going to be open, yeah. not mm. defensive, right. because we have accepted our challenges and we also want to also say to people that, yes, we have challenges, but let's not generalize and let's not be alarmist. You know, our point of reporting wrongdoing or complaining should be about the improvement, mm. not to paint anybody Absolutely. negatively we or agree even on make that them one. fired. We agree on that one. Thank you so much, Dr. Bandi Masugu, MEC for Gauteng Healthier. Okay, it's confirmed. If you're listening now, he will be back between 8 and 9 next week, Monday. If it doesn't happen, don't look at me because I will be here. Eight I'll and nine next week, the MEC will be here. David Maimela, Chief of Staff in the Office of the Gauteng MEC. You know what to do, big brother. And just for the record, somebody asked for the address for the Dennis Hurley Center. It is, as you say it, Dennis 1N1S, Hurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y Center. Dennis Hurley Center dot org. There you can... Go to town with homelessness. Secondly, it's 2147. It's time for us to go to our daily soapy. The paper of Wioluetu Dubese is with us. She's going to sign us out at the end of the program. Please stay tuned and thank you so much for your contributions and calls. Remember next week, 8 to 9, MEC for Health, Dr. Bandil Masuku. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're continuing. Indeed. Thank you. <laughs>